Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Todd Gross from the QuantEdge. Todd, thank you very much for coming on. Before we get into this episode, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at BettingPod, and check out the website, businessofbetting.com. Guest suggestions are much appreciated. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Proprietary Limited. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and support this podcast by using promo code BOBPOD. Please gamble responsibly. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Business of Betting podcast. Today, I'm joined by Todd Gross from the QuantEdge. Todd, thank you very much for coming on. Jake, it's my pleasure. It's uh, great to be here. So, Todd, you aren't a typical sports betting DFS kind of guy. You have a very interesting background from a different world. So, why don't you start with exactly what you've done for the bulk of your career and where that's led you to now? Yeah, so um, although I'm surrounded by some of the best in the business in terms of DFS and betting, um, really, my background uh, was as an options trader and a commodities fund manager. So um, really, one of the things that was alluring to me is to take uh, quantitative analytics and apply them to different things. Sports became a greater and greater opportunity over the last few years, and I got more and more excited about it. And um, and so here I am. And uh, I was fortunate enough to meet some great people along the way. So how long were you in the, the finance game for? Uh, so uh, when I when I see when I graduated from Wharton in 1988, I started uh, trading on the floor of the Philadelphia Exchange, and then I went to New York and was trading options when Iraq invaded Kuwait in 1990. So it kind of goes to show you how long I've, I've been in that business. <laughs> was in that business, um, and really, it's about va- understanding values uh, and relationships between things and portfolios. It's not vastly different than when you're building. Um, you know, your lineup for DFS. It's really strikingly similar. So what was the impetus to jump ship from the finance world and, and head over towards DFS, sports betting, and just sports in general? So we, we were sitting in our office one day. We were, we were working on some financial software, which was really where we had come from. Um, and I just kind of been, been out of the fund management business for a short while. And um, someone strolled into our office and said, you know, you should really look closely at sports and fantasy sports. It's a great business. And, you know, we have affinity for it and we're willing to put up some money to help you. And I said, "Okay, well, you know, it wasn't the first thing, but I said, "Okay, I'll look at it. And then as things went on, um, we we added an advisor who was one of the first guys at FanDuel. um, And he suggested that there was going to be a Supreme Court challenge by the state of New Jersey uh, to legalize sports sports betting, or at least put it, put the decision back into the state's hands. You know, it was a state's rights versus federal jurisdiction challenge um, that they thought they could win. So we understood that all of a sudden the opportunity to create analytics around this particular area was going to grow, you know, from a one to a six uh, instantaneously, or, or at least over a short period of time. Going through that process, you obviously had gathered a lot of knowledge from your fund manager days and options trading. 
you probably fi- tried to figure out exactly how that can overlap and what different aspects you can take from that to sports. What sort of process did you go through to figure out exactly what was going to be useful across different sectors? Right. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways in which uh, you can decide if a sporting event um, should go one way or another compared to, say, the Vegas line or to, to the international sports lines. Um, for us, it, it, the, the specific part was quantifying within a certain range, you know, how valuable um, or how many, say, for lack of a better word, sporting uh, fantasy points a player is going to have in any given week. And then that, that shows us really um, a lot about how the game should shape up over time. And then it allows us to quantify different types of sporting, um, I'm sorry, different types of betting opportunities. So what is the line going to look like? What's the under over going to look like? Um, what's a prop bet going to look like? And a lot of that comes from, from assessing what a specific player's uh, opportunity is, is going to be in any specific game. And a lot of that comes from fantasy, and fantasy is a great place where the quantification, you know, really helps to shore up what you know what the value of a, of a team might be in a particular game. So the fantasy space in particular can be very heavy on analytics and very data driven in many respects. Did you find the same in finance? Because you know we talk about things like Moneyball and baseball, and they're very well entrenched in that space. And then sports like NFL, for example, you might have situations where old school coaches let's call them might run the ball too much or go against certain analytic tendencies or preferences did you spend a lot of your time in finance working with different analytics and is it similar to what you're experiencing in the sports and and certainly fantasy space yeah you know it's it's interesting you ask that question because um so as you know as a fund manager in in commodities and especially in energy which is really focused you know i was really a, a, a more of a fundamental manager at some point um, and became more and more data driven. And the business itself changed a lot. One of my classmates, um, Cliff Asnes of AQR, just totally changed the business model of the, of the, the hedge fund space by taking lots and lots of data and driving down the fees and really perfecting um, kind of a data analysis business, regardless of someone's specific understanding of that commodity or that um, stock for that matter, or that currency. And so when I took a look at, at how sports uh, was evolving, there are a lot of folks who bet on sports who are very successful. Uh, that's because they know the sport very, very well in particular, or they might know the specific players very well. Um, for us, it became more of a focus on being a data-driven exercise, kind of like the way uh, some of my compatriots did in finance. And I thought that there was a real opportunity there to do that. So you mentioned a little bit about the Supreme Court case, and I guess it started late in 2017, the oral arguments uh, later in 2017, and then obviously May 14th last year, 2018, when the Supreme Court struck down PASPA. Take us through your world going through that process. Obviously, you're probably heavily involved already on the fantasy and daily fantasy side, but the the thinking when sports betting is potentially opening up, and then I guess May 14th onwards, what was the excitement like in your offices what was the uh the pivoting like when you're going through some of those strategy meetings yeah so i mean it's it's interesting that we kind of were evolving as the supreme court decision was happening and i think that we were very fortunate to be there at that specific time because it enabled us to really focus our analytics on on um on serve on servicing both areas and I think that that really helped us. We didn't have entrenched models that were focused solely on fantasy. 
we didn't have, you know, kind of just starting out only in betting. We really had an idea that we were able to take what we had already started on and build in terms of, of making betting models. And, and, and what's more is that we were able to understand and taking a lot of the ideas that came from finance about um, working on, ch on changing and how a particular player uh, changes what they do and what have you uh, to affect the line, um, really kind of empowering the user to be able to make the decisions themselves, but to help them make decisions, uh, save them time, bring the analytics down to a place where they're easily digestible, um, viewable. And all these ideas kind of culminated. As soon as we saw betting come in, we said, wow, you know, here's going to be a huge opportunity. And we can also kind of uh, cross-pollinate a lot of the ideas and thoughts we had in fantasy um, and help people make better decisions when they bet. I definitely want to talk about some of those tools that you have been developing. But before we do, can you just run us through, take us back to day one, week one, month one of the QuantEdge when it started and take us through your thought process for what was the overall mission for the business? So the mission for the business was to build a subscription-based uh, business that would service the daily fantasy community um, and really provide them with more of an analytical and quantitative framework. Uh, to start. And we were fortunate enough to find Elliot Christ um, and Z. Jani, who was uh, just finishing his master's in statistics at Columbia. Um, and the day we started, the first day in the office, when they were both sitting there together, um, it was really interesting. I mean, I, I don't think either of those two guys would have, you know, run into each other in the subway or <laughs> any place in New York City. But magically, when we put them both in a room, and focused on, you know, Elliot taking what really was in his head as a, as a you know, top-notch fantasy player, um, and ZJ, who understood the statistics and can create um, uh, quick-fire, uh, web-enabled uh, applications through Shiny and, and using R, um, we were able to create three or four unique tools that weren't existent in the marketplace yet. Uh, that was su surprising to me, uh, just because it, you know, Fantasy sports have been on the web for, you know, a decade or two. And I came from a place where um, in, in finance, if there's an edge, it goes away very quickly. There's, there's tremendous amounts of competition. And I felt like there was, there was some, um, some opportunities to be had that I thought should have been, should have been gone a long time ago. And um, I felt very comfortable getting more heavily involved and realizing that there was a lot of different ways in which we can help people uh, make money and make better decisions. So, so in a in a marketplace which is very busy, let's call it. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of different businesses popping up. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of free content. There's paid content. How do you continue to generate new ideas? And and certainly things have been done a certain way for a while now. It it might be difficult if you're, I guess, been in the business for a while, but you have a different perspective potentially coming from other areas of, of finance and other things. Has that helped to generate new ideas and new approaches to something like fantasy that's been along, been around for a while now? I think it has. And I think that, 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 that is one of the advantages I think that, that we come with. Um, and two ways I see this, it, this is something that's new in terms of fantasy embedding that, that really I've experienced in different ways in the past. Uh, about 20 years ago, I started a company that was um, emergent during energy deregulation here in the U.S. So in a very similar way, there was state-by-state, state, um, I guess, deregulation. In this case, it's betting legalization, but deregulation. 
um, that rolled out every, you know, state by state. And it was very similar in terms of the way it was happening. Um, and so that was something that kind of resonated with me. And then the second part is that when I look at, at, at the betting in the fantasy world, it's really interesting how the vertical lines a lot up a lot like, like the financial markets. So, you know, the, the sports books or, or the, uh, the, uh, the, um, the, the game uh, providers like FanDuel and DraftKings are a lot like the New York Stock Exchange and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, where they provide the game for people to play. There's analytics groups like ourselves, which might be considered like um, one of the bank's uh, 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 research departments that puts out research. And then there's, you know, there's intermediaries and there's brokers, which could be the affiliate guys. Uh, and it comes down to the customer at the end and how they make their decision and, and where they, they place their bet or they make their investment. There are very, very similar verticals um, with similar types of players that I think are going to be emergent over the next five or ten years. So it's, we mentioned it before, but the tools you're creating and, and how you go about doing that, what's your product development like? Is it you know throw a bunch of things against the wall and see what sticks, or are you pretty specific on how you go about it? Take us through that process. So creating a new tool for us is kind of a it's it's a very big it's a big deal. Um, it takes a lot of thought around the table by um, the folks who look at the uh, the things that aren't aren't really out there for the customers right now. Um, when we look at um, our chat, which is interactive and goes twenty four hours a day with with our sports experts and our media folks and and what people are looking for. Um, and also it's, it's data driven. So we look at, uh, we look at what people want, uh, what they tell us they want, uh, what they don't have. And we try to make it, um, so that it's as, as efficient and visually easy to use as possible. And so that whole process takes some time, uh, from start to finish from design stage, uh, through analytics stage, understanding what data is necessary, how to create, maybe even at times create our own data, uh, to be able to effectuate them. And then, and then how it's going to look and how it's going to be displayed and where on our site um, and soon to be on our app. So I want to talk specifically about NFL and, and before last season, tell us a little bit about what your approach was going to be to that season and we'll talk about, a little, we'll talk about the results and, and how it came to pass. But before you got started with that, what was your aim specifically on NFL? So our goal for NFL was to provide you know, a few unique tools that would really help people to kind of um, save themselves some time and, and, and really be uh, focused on helping people to really do some great analysis. Uh, and so we, we came up with a few tools uh, and we, we started doing our analysis and, and realizing that we wanted a betting tool uh, to help people um, to put the power into their hands to be able to make the best bet that they can based on what they know. Um, and so we started out with really just putting together tools and working with data. And interestingly enough, I mean, the data that we used and, and the, the, the mathematics, we started out trying to predict games, lines and under overs for NFL with really a very data driven approach. So uh, in terms of expertise of football, I can only say that the, the guy who started writing the models originally uh, at the beginning of the season, didn't know the quarterback threw the football. Um, and that was pretty astounding that uh, when the mathematics came out the other end, we were hitting almost 60% of our bets uh, once, once we went live in week seven. 
Um, and I didn't even know how powerful that was until I looked at the equity curve. And, you know, if you put $25 in each line and under over uh, of each game from week seven, so you, you committed maybe at most $800 a weekend. I mean, you came out with $1,200 at the end of the season and you're $800 back. So 150% return in 14 weeks was pretty extraordinary. Um, and that comes from, you know, starting with someone who didn't know the quarterback through the football at the beginning of the season. That's incredibly interesting. So do you think that, I guess, taking away some of those biases that may exist for someone who watches games and who's a bit more of a fan was beneficial to building out what you ultimately had? Yeah, I think the process is kind of, we reversed it. I mean, we really put a really heavy focus on data-driven, and the experts are very, very important, but they're, they're, their input is really important at the end, as opposed to, I mean, a little bit at the beginning, but really more at the end to really kind of uh, shape things. I mean, when it came to NBA, um, the kind of amorphous way in which um, positions have changed over the last few years, you, know, you really need a little bit of expertise in there. But again, we always started with the very heavily uh, driven data approach first. And so what ends up happening is that you, you, know, you might ask us, well, what happens? It's an away game. The guy's got to fly across the country from, you know, between a Monday night and a Thursday. And, you know, how is that going to affect the line or the under over? For us, actually, that doesn't that doesn't factor into our calculations. Um, oddly enough, it's it's one of those things where um, that's not as important uh, yet. Uh, and so, we, even with our results as good as they are, they could there's a good chance there's an argument they could get better. But we don't use a lot of the traditional techniques that folks use to bet. And is that because the data isn't available or available in the way that you want to digest it, or is it that your your approach is is a little bit different to the mainstream? So, I mean, coming from as an options trader on the exchange and, and, and running my own firm doing that for a long time, you know, options trading is really about being unbiased. I mean, you're really there just to be, uh, for lack of a better word, the bookie or the, the, the house uh, on the exchange. You know, here's a, here's a price where I'll buy. Here's a price where I'll sell. I'm not there to judge the direction in the market. And so to a large extent, it's about the numbers and in a very cold and calculating way. And so we decided to approach our analytics in the same vein and in the same direction because having bias is really where most, most of the public and where most of the bettors are. We give each better or each fantasy person the ability to kind of uh, have their input and to be able to create their teams or their, their bets themselves. But we also give them a very cold, hard look on just the numbers and give them an edge to start, which is very helpful. So do you allow an individual to overlay their own thoughts and feelings uh, over what you know your raw numbers might spit out? Absolutely. And I think that that's really the, the strength in our, in our business is that um, we really want to encourage engagement with the customer. We want to make them better at what they do. Uh, we want to help them in any way we can. We provide content. We provide chat. We also provide tools so they can say, okay, well, you know, Tom Brady is going to have a bad game. You know, it's New England was going to win by seven. Now we can calculate it and say New England's only going to win by two, but they're still going to win. Um, and so we can do that mathematics uh, and calculation, and we enable uh, each user to be able to, to quantify their bet. And I think that that's a really valuable piece because as time goes on, um, you know, results are going to fluctuate as in anything where you're doing quantitative analysis. It's, it's a distribution. It's not an exact science. Um, and so what we really value is the customer and the customer's ability to make decisions for themselves um, and 
and put the power in their hands to be able to quantify it for themselves. So was NFL the first sport that you rolled out? It sounded like week seven was when you started last season. Yeah, I mean, last year we were doing a lot of catch-up, I have to say. I mean, you know, we all got in the office like July 1st. So if you think about when the business really started for, for uh, sports analytics for us, it was July 1st. The site went live miraculously on August 9th of last year. So we've only been around for a year. We have uh, over 35 tools now on our site. Um, we played catch-up getting into football, but I think we did a terrific job uh, we had the same, you know, same catch up for NBA and for Major League Baseball and for college basketball this time around. Um, we and we've had terrific results across the board this time around. We have um, a full suite of tools, as many as almost anybody out there. Um, I think we have best in breed analytics and uh, the site is we just re relaunched uh, a new version of the site August 3rd. Um, and the iOS app going live in the next week or so. And I think that going into football season and going through this next cycle of different sporty, sports in the coming sport calendar year, I guess, which starts in September and ends in August, I think we're going to we're, we're 100% on board with being able to provide um, top shelf analytics and tools uh, for, for everybody in, in fantasy embedding. And what about updating to stay, I guess, ahead of the curve? Are you constantly changing and tweaking? And you know, now it's the off season; and it's about to be the, the start of the regular season. Are you doing things to your model to try and keep it uh, ahead of the market in many senses? We do. I mean, we do a lot of a lot of um, updating of the models. Um, not too often. I mean, for example, even last year during football season. I mean, at the very beginning, um, we felt like we had to do a, a, a tweak. Um, early on, and that's generally how it works. We, had, we did a tweak early on, and then the results, you know, flowed from there. Same thing with with uh, NBA. Um, often, and I think this time around, there'll be a lot less of that, um, and there'll be from the get go. I think we'll have we'll have great results. And the reason is is because when you first start, there's a lot of things you don't know. Um, there's a lot of things that you need perspective on, uh, and the coordination between the sports guys and, and the quantitative analysts is, is important. And the first time around, I think it was, you know, it was good that that we were slightly behind the curve. We were able to kind of play a little catch up and also uh, to perfect things along the way. Um, I think it's really helped us to fine tune where we are right now. So but even even still, um, more data means better results for us. And uh, as time goes on, uh, we're always focusing on keeping the models up to date and strong um, and focused. Do you think this process or overarching approach will scale across other sports? And you know, college football, for example, is obviously very big, and there's a lot of a lot of games, so you need it to be able to scale. And then you can think about things like tennis and all sorts of different sports around the world. Do you think the the general approach of finding what's predictive, removing the noise from from data sets, is going to work across many sports? Yes, I do. I mean, I think we've been able to show it across. I think four sports right now. Um, and I think that, for example, we've been able to show in back testing um, in college football, which we're launching this year. Uh, I think over the last, and, and my litmus test is we have to be at least 55% accurate uh, over a three-year period um, out of sample testing. That you know we're in the in the high 50s right now. So I think that you know that's going to show a significant edge. I mean, one of the things that was always lost on me is that, you know, how, you know, about 52.38% betting wise, which is kind of break even if the, 
the books take 10% when you lose, you know, how powerful is each 1%? Well, each 1% is actually a very powerful thing uh, in terms of providing uh, returns to people who are, who are, who are betting. So um, the, the out of sample backtesting and what we've seen so far for college football has, have been pretty strong results and we're excited about launching it this year. Um, and also we're working on prop, some prop bets for NFL. Um, golf is another one that we're, we're really looking forward to being involved in uh, uh, later on, uh, maybe in the winter time to get our, our models all tuned up for that. Um, so we're going to add other sports, uh, and we're going to stay on top of the ones we have. Um, and we feel like now we're, we're kind of ready, uh, to, to make that, that move. Um, and maybe in 2020, uh, we start looking more and more towards real time opportunities too. That's interesting. So what about something like, uh, bet staking or bet sizing? Obviously you can do the handicapping and the analytics side of things, but what about, supporting your subscribers and those who are accessing the content with things like that. I'm, I'm guessing you've probably got a, a rich history in understanding those types of things from your trading days. Yeah. So, um, you know, things like the Kelly criterion and, and methods of kind of money management around uh, either wagering, betting, or even market investing. We have um, an advisor to our group, Marek Flutzinski, who um, he was a two and a half billion dollar quantitative fund manager for many years. Um, you know, he's been working on some of those things, uh, that, uh, different methods in terms of how to make those bets, uh, how to conserve and, and when to make the wait, when to make the bets and how much based on what are perceived, uh, edges, how much to bet at each given time. And, and that's in process. We're working on that. Uh, we think that that can help, uh, all of our, uh, subscribers, uh, to, to, to bet more intelligently uh, because we really want people to kind of come in, follow our system. In some ways, that making more bets across different types of opportunities is better because of the statistical significance of it. Um, and then kind of uh, understanding how to, you know, when to conserve their cash and when to press. Yeah, it's a very, very deep area once you get stuck into it. So it's it's certainly something that, <clears throat> excuse me, within the traditional content, you don't find a lot of great information. And it sounds like someone like yourself and your team are probably well set up to be able to provide that support to all of your different subscribers and those accessing all of the, the different content. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, one of the things we just recently started looking at very strongly is, is, is horse racing. And I know, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, U.S., it's, 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 it's not like NFL football, but across the globe, horse racing is a very powerful um, sport. I mean, so many people in Japan, it's the largest um, and I know in Australia, it's, it's very prolific. So, um, across the globe, there's, there's a lot of folks who bet on horses, horse racing it lends itself almost specifically to understanding how to bet, uh, because there's just so many different ways, uh, that you can make a wager, uh, for horses. So, um, that's been part of the repertoire of, uh, and working on the learning curve of, of how to place the, the right type of bet, because, uh, there are a lot of different ways in which you can do so, especially as you bring in props for some of the more traditional sports or, you know, the different ways in which you can bet on a horse race or a series of horse races. So how do you fit into the overall B2C ecosystem in this space? Because it sounds like you're doing things that others may not be doing or you're doing them very, very well. You may have some competitors and companions that are in the same area, but I'm guessing there's also uh, certainly a niche, if not bigger, that you cover more than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I th it's it's interesting you mention that because when 
people ask us who our competitors are, there, there are plenty of them uh, in different specific areas. But in terms of encompassing what we do and how we do it, um, you know, it's hard for us to kind of put our finger on any one particular group. Some groups are focused more on the media. Other groups are focused more on pundits. Um, you know, we tend to, to, to really bolster our tools and enable people to use, uh, put the power in their own hands and also have an edge. Um, I think that uh, as we kind of grow and people get to know more about who we are, um, I think they'll understand really what goes into our, our site and our, our offering more than, than a lot of the other folks. Uh, so part of it is, is kind of getting the right partnerships, um, linking up with um, the right uh, outputs for the media, um, getting ourselves out advertising correctly so that um, people know who we are and they know that um, they can rely on us to give accurate advice. Uh, to put the power into their hands, to be able to kind of understand what um, an injury might mean on the field and might mean to their bet uh, at halftime even at some point. So uh, we hope to be the ones that people will go to to provide that and where they can uh, feel comfortable that they can easily understand what we're saying. Yeah, certainly makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned earlier you launched last August, so you're about a year in. If I said to you what you wanted to see Two years in, so a year from now, or even five years in, what are some of the things that you're looking to accomplish in that sort of mid to short term time frame? So I think I think this year is, is really going to be a, a more of a customer acquisition year for us, uh, as well as moving more and more deeply into different sports. So over the next year, we'd like to see um, as 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 betting becomes more prolific in the United States to become uh, kind of a bigger and bigger part of it. Uh, along with um, you know getting more widely accepted in the fantasy uh, circles, I think you know we can add value to a lot of folks out there who have a lot of um, a lot of people follow them for fantasy, and we can help them make their case and sustain their edge and their uh, audience. Um, I think five years from now, um, as betting becomes more real time, and that lends more and more to our strengths of real time quantitative analytics, that we'll be able to give people an opportunity to see, uh, you know, when there's an opportunity, here's an opportunity to bet, you know, for the second half or for how many points Steph Curry is going to have, you know, in the fourth quarter. Um, and this is where we think there's a 64% opportunity. Um, those are things we can push to, to, to our customers, uh, at some point, And we feel like, you know, we're there to help them make better decisions and make money, uh, and, uh, to kind of figure out how to, make take betting uh or fantasy even for that matter from something that is you know kind of not as mainstream to something that would be unbelievably mainstream and all and maybe even considered an asset class at some point yeah now that's a very interesting perspective and one final question for you i'm curious about your thoughts we're a little over a year in in this post paspa world You've probably had some very interesting meetings and very interesting phone calls and emails throughout that 12-month period, given what you're doing. Take us through just generally your thoughts on how it's evolving, uh, some of the things you're noticing, or some of the things that we can keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I think you know some of the some of the people that are looking at this space very carefully are people that you you normally wouldn't see show up, uh, and and I think that that's been. There's a lot of interest just from all different directions. Uh, I think that was surprising to me. Um, I think 
the and I think this is just the beginning of that. Um, it's kind of uh, like sports betting becoming more and more mainstream. I think is going to become uh, it's going to draw in many many different folks in different directions. So I think when people people consider the groups of uh, folks who might be kind of accumulating assets or value in this particular area, there could be others that come in from different places that you might not expect that um, that all of a sudden become players. And I think that that's, that's not here yet. And I think that's going to come along with betting becoming more and more of a mainstream activity as opposed to uh, the folks who used to kind of do it in the shadows and now are able to do it legally. So before I let you go, I just want to ask, what's the best way for an interested potential subscriber or a sports fan or a betting, uh, someone who bets quite often to take a look at the different tools? What's the best way they can do that, do you think? Yeah, so you can go uh, to Uh You can sign up for a free trial. Um, and, you know, I would encourage everybody to kind of look at some of our, our best tools, our uh, uh our injury tool, wide receiver, cornerback matchup tool, and our betting tools. Uh, the betting tools are great, uh, and they help to kind of show you how the lines and, and the bets change with different player performance. Um, and, you know, look at our best bets. Uh, the best bets at the end of last year for NFL were hitting, you know, greater than two-thirds. Um, and so they were real money makers, uh, also. Um, so that's what I would encourage people to do. I interact on the chat with Elliot and all the other sports experts. There are You'd be surprised how much chatting goes on at 2 a.m. Uh, so um, we're on there 24-7, uh, and uh, you know, we're, we're happy to kind of really reach out and make the customers happy. Uh, and so uh, you know, feel free to leverage our expertise and, and the tools and what we can do for you. Sounds great. Todd, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Much appreciated. Jake, it was my pleasure anytime, and uh, good luck. Thanks. 